Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays for the 2023 football season. If you're betting preseason over-unders, in my unprofessional opinion, the best bet on the board is taking the Pittsburgh Steelers over eight and a half wins. If you want to place that as your first bet, you can head to Bet Online Sportsbook and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, when you click the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast, and podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing We have got a fantabulous, fantabulous show coming at you today. It is Monday, August 14th, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We're in the heart of NFL preseason, people. We are getting ready for the season to begin, but not quite so much that we're like uber, uber excited to talk about big-time storylines. So today we got our friend Juju Talk Sports joining us here on the program. We're going to have a fun game that Juju came up with, and and we played this idea on our YouTube page. It's called the Slump Buster Podcast. Uh, You can find it pretty much anywhere that you get YouTubes, and uh, you can watch these videos live. You can can watch me and Juju back and forth uh, talking instead of just listening to us. You can watch us if you go to YouTube. Um, But Juju had a fun idea of playing the worst-to-first game, which is something that we played a a few years ago during the pandemic. It was a very like sports radio-y type of show that we did, um, playing the worst to first game of which NFL team will go from worst to first because from like 2000 to 2018, like 16 out of 18 seasons, at least one NFL team went from being last place in their division to being first place the next season, but we play the worst to first game today with the eight last place teams from last year's NFL playoffs or last year's NFL standings who's going to be most likely to jump into first place Juju and I have an answer that just might surprise you so we play that fun game who's the most likely who's the least likely we play the worst to first game on today's show as well as talking about Sean Payton's Denver Broncos because Sean Payton made news by talking shit about the New York Jets and Nathaniel Hackett, which led to Garrett Wilson doing an expert troll over the weekend of Sean Payton. Because for those who may not have heard, Sean Payton had very specific rules for Denver's first 
preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals where you weren't allowed to have bucket hats, you weren't allowed to have sunglasses, you weren't allowed to do interviews with the local television broadcast during the game, and Garrett Wilson of the New York Jets came out and trolled Sean Payton by wearing a bucket hat, sunglasses, and doing a television interview on the sidelines during the Jets and Panthers preseason game. So Sean Payton made some enemies with the Jets, and the Jets and the Broncos are two teams that are getting a lot of attention for different reasons, but the Denver Broncos are a team that we have consistently made fun of here on the show, and so I wanted to talk about Denver here with our friend Juju Talk Sports because I think both of us have interesting perspectives on the Broncos, even if we ultimately led to the same conclusion about what kind of season this is going to be for Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. So it's a Sports Radio Monday here today. We have Juju Talk Sports here on the show. We're going to play the worst to first game on the show and talk about the Denver Broncos. And it's coming at you right now. Every year in the NFL, there is a team that goes worst to first. Obviously, only eight options that we can possibly have. Last year's worst place teams. We have the Jets, who finished 7-10. and Big year for them with Aaron Rodgers in tow. Uh, the Broncos, 5-12 and last year. Then you had the Browns, 7-10. and You had the Texans, 3-13, and obviously picking at the top of the draft last year. The Commanders, 8-8-1 eight, eight and one in a wild NFC East. The Cardinals four and thirteen, the Bears three and fourteen, and the Falcons rounding things out at seven and ten. When I say those eight teams out loud, who's the standout for you? I can think of five teams that have no chance, so that leaves three options left for me of the group. And of those three teams that I have in my head, I kind of want to say the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I know that's kind of crazy. But I kind of want to say the Chicago Bears have a chance to go worst to first this season. I know that they've added a bunch of talent, and I don't know how that'll change. They obviously drafted an offensive lineman. They traded for DJ Moore, signed a couple players on offense and defense that are lesser impact pieces. But they let David Montgomery go. But I've seen Justin Fields play such incredible football those last couple seasons. And look, if it weren't for them losing a bunch of crazy one score games because they were really unlucky in one score games, that's usually how a team ends up getting the number one pick in the draft when we didn't think of the Bears being the worst team in the NFL last year. They were really unlucky in one score games. Justin Fields got hurt at the end of the season and they were trotting out Nathan Peterman for the end of the season. I will not forget that Nathan Peterman played for the Chicago Bears to end the season. But if you're looking for a team that could make a jump from a three win team that probably should have been like a five or six win team on paper last year, making the jump to nine or ten wins to win a crappy division, I think it could be the Chicago Bears. Okay, well, let's work back to the Bears. Let's work back to the top. Let's work from the bottom. Let's talk about those five teams that you said had no chance. Um, if I had to guess, as far as which team would be the lowest, Arizona? Arizona's in that group of five. I don't know if there's one that I think because of as being... it's between Arizona and the Texans, I imagine, for you. No, I. so the teams that I would say have basically no chance of turning it around are Washington, Arizona, Denver. Like Those are the three that I feel pretty certain aren't going to get it. And the reason I say they aren't going to get it is 
None of those teams have made significant improvements. Arizona, you could argue, has gone backwards in terms of the talent because they want to potentially tank for a top draft pick or rebuild or whatever they want to classify it. Well, I guess we actually got to think about also the question, too. Worst to first. We also have to think about who else is in that division, right? Okay, so in that division for the Texans, they would have to leapfrog the Titans and the Jaguars. The Colts kind of maybe a little bit of gray area this season. They could probably leapfrog them, but are they better or can I potentially see them being better than the Jacksonville Jaguars? If Trevor Lawrence gets hurt, but other than that, I I have a hard time seeing it. Okay, well, the the Cardinals, right? The Cardinals would have to leapfrog Seattle, San Francisco, and Sean McVay is back there in Los Angeles. So that one even might be a dogfight as well as far as like, can they even get to third place in that division, right? Okay, so... Yeah, no chance at all, right, for those teams to make that happen. The Commanders, so they would have to leapfrog Dallas, a playoff Giants from a year ago, and the Eagles. Could they be third place in that vision? Could a wild year happen and then be two? Probably not with Sam Hellack quarterback, but weird things have happened before in the NFL. But yeah, I don't see them being first place in that vision. So worst to first in that concept, instantly negated. The Broncos. They would have to leapfrog the Chargers in Kansas City to make that happen. Yes, and that's not going to happen. My thinking on those three teams specifically are, I feel more confident than anything else that Kansas City is winning the AFC West, the Eagles are winning the NFC East, and San Francisco or Seattle are winning the NFC West. Now, I'm just putting Seattle in there as a caveat. Like It's a possibility Seattle could win the division, but San Francisco is the most talented roster top to bottom, I would argue, in the NFL. And then the other two teams I had in that group are the Texans and the Browns, which are the divisions within striking distance. But I don't think those teams are necessarily going to be able to leapfrog everyone in that division. So the three that I had a possibility on were the Falcons, the Bears and the Jets. And of those three, I like the Bears. Yeah. And, you know, also to round out that group, talking about Cleveland a little bit. Okay, so let's say Deshaun comes back and is actually Deshaun from a few years ago. Okay, that's one thing for them, but they don't have the same talent that they had initially when they made that trade for Deshaun to upgrade their quarterback position. Like, I think their defense, obviously, we know how good Miles Garrett is, but I don't think that defense was quite what it was whenever they won that playoff game a couple years ago, had Baker Mayfield, and thought were an ascending team within the conference. There might be okay, there might be a playoff team, but... Do I think that they'll be better than Baltimore or Cincinnati? They'll be in that. I think they'll be in that group, but it's going to be hard for me to see them jumping over Cincinnati. So I agree with you on that one as well. Talking about the others. All right. So we have the Jets, Chicago, and the Falcons. The Falcons are unique because they have the benefit of a bad division that they can exploit and take advantage of to jump to the top of their standings. So in another video, we talked about Baker Mayfield and what's going on in Tampa we think that they might be on the downslide and might potentially be a top five drafting team this year. All right. While also kind of expanding on that one, Carolina, they have a rookie quarterback. We know there's going to be a learning curve. They have talent, but it's going to be a challenge for them to be able to really compete for a playoff spot within that first year. The Saints, they're mid, they're they're defensive players. Uh, they just re-signed Cam Jordan on an extension. Their secondary, we we know that that's a strength of the team with Lattimore back there, but he was injured and banged up last year. And Derek Carr, his first year outside of Las Vegas, Oakland, 
we have to see what Derek Carr will really be. But Dennis Allen as a head coach is also a liability. Arthur Smith, I respect him as a head coach. They just drafted Bijan. We know they have Kyle Pitts. Their wide receiver position leaves a lot to be desired. Desmond Ritter certainly at quarterback. But if they live off the back of a running game and a decent defense, not a great defense, not a good defense, not a bad defense, not a horrible defense, but an average defense with a solid running game, they could probably ride that to at least being the winner of that division. And then you mentioned the Bears. Okay, so the Bears, looking around them, the Lions are the preseason darlings by many people. Um, had their first sellout at Fourfield in the history of Fourfield, or well, season ticket owners, I should say. Uh, but the Vikings, thirteen and four, eleven and zero in one score games a year ago. We know how that those teams tend to regress. And then Jordan Love is the Packers starter this year, first year starting for Jordan Love. I agree with you. I think the Bears probably provide the biggest X factor to jump to the top and jump to the top and actually being good. So both the NFC South. And the NFC North, because of those divisions being more in flux, provide both the Falcons and Bears, respectively, the best odds to jump to the very top of their standings. I feel more confident about any prediction this season. The, the team and the prediction I feel most confident about is the Packers are going to go 7-10. and 10. I feel so confident that the Packers are going to be a 7-10 and 10 football team this year. And then that leaves... Minnesota, Detroit, and Chicago is the remaining teams. Maybe Detroit grabs a hold of that division. Minnesota, I think, is still should be the favorites. Like they still deserve to be the favorites because even though that defense isn't very good, and even though Byron Murphy is going to try and be the patch that they put to try and fix it, like I still think Minnesota deserves to be favorites in that I th- division. I think that Minnesota they regress to being a wild card team at worst this year. I think their offense is still going to provide them more than enough punch. They still have tons of playmakers on that offense, but that defense, they have to turn around everything on there to be good. They were Swiss cheese last year. And you go back and watch, I just finished quarterback. You go back and watch that game against the giants. They're just getting carved apart. It's embarrassing. So if they still have that embarrassing defense and they lose a couple more of those one score games, yeah, they're going to be probably closer to a wildcard team than they will be winning division 13 and four. So here's where the Bears kind of sneak in the back door. Because again, are the odds on any of these teams great? I don't think so. Maybe you think the the Jets are going to be this 13 and three juggernaut this season. I personally don't see it. But here's where it works in favor of the Bears potentially making that leap. All the NFC North teams have to play Every team in the AFC West, which is potentially some losses on the schedule for those teams, and everyone has to play the NFC South this year. So all those teams in the NFC South and the NFC North are going to start beating each other up because we just went through all the teams there. If I told you that the Buccaneers, Panthers, Falcons, Saints, Vikings, Lions, Packers or Bears were to go eight and eight this season, you would believe me. Like there's a scenario where all of those teams could finish eight and eight or eight and nine or nine and eight or whatever with the 17 game schedule. Like all those teams have the potential to be perfectly average. And so that leaves a lot of room for chaos within that division because 
25% of each of those teams' schedules are going to be playing each other. So the NFC South, the Falcons play the Bears, the Bears play the Saints, the Saints play the Vikings. All those teams are going to start beating each other up, and that creates potential for one of those teams to maybe win a division at 10-7. and seven. Maybe it's the Falcons, maybe it's the <laughs> Bears, maybe it's one of the non-last-place teams, but there's some potential for chaos there. We haven't talked about the Jets enough here, uh, so let's talk about the Jets and their possibility of jumping worst to first. So we know the big storyline for them is Aaron Rodgers getting added to this one. They have talent at the wide receiver position. Their defense is a strength of this team. You compare that to the Bills, who the Bills have a little bit of drama in their locker room. We know that there was some offseason headlines between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. It's getting tougher to manage the cap. We saw that this team got beat up in the playoff game last year against Cincinnati. So the Bills could be a team on the decline potentially. Josh Allen is still going to be good enough to keep that team afloat uh, more often than not. But even Josh Allen, you know, he falls victim to the turnovers and that could be a potential thing that could cost the Bills to lose a few more games this year. The Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins are a lot of people's picks to hell even be a surprise dark horse Super Bowl contender, but that's going to ride on Tua's health, which we know is a consistent story for them. Their defense wasn't great last year. Their running game was a big drawback on the team last year. They're going to beat you with their wide receiving talent. They're one of the fastest teams in the league. Let's face it. They have Tyreek. They have Jalen Waddle. The Patriots, steady Eddie. They could be the second best team in this division. They can surprise people and be the first. I don't know. The, with Belichick, they're all, you're always going to be, no, they're going to be good. But the Jets, in terms of pure talent on the roster, should be better than the Patriots. I don't think that that's really deniable. In terms of talent on the roster, the Jets should be better than the Patriots. So when I compare them to the teams in their division, the Jets from 7 and 10, they were 7 and 10 with the the bad play of Zach Wilson and everyone else that they had to throw out quarterback last year. Yeah, could they win this division and be like a 12 and 5 team? That's something I could see happening. Could the Bills regress and be more like an 11 win team next year as opposed to a 13 win team in the next year? The Dolphins more in that 10 win territory or as you joke around with the nine and eight or eight and nine record. Yeah. Those are all the things I could see happen. Right. Um, so that's like the jets opportunity, but it's a little bit more of a tough road. So again, going back to the rankings question of it, they are the third because they don't have the benefit of a bad division. Like the Falcons do like the bears do. I might go as far to say the jets are two and the Falcons are three. And the reason I say that is just, I don't see the vision with the Falcons. Like Bijan Robinson is going to improve their offense. They want to run the football. I joked last year, Arthur Smith, after Marcus Mariota threw a pick, ran the ball on 17 consecutive plays in a game last year. Arthur Smith's wet dream is to recreate the 2019 Tennessee Titans in Atlanta. Just the most boring seven and 10 football you can imagine. But you get I'm betting more but, against that, their division than I'm betting on them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Anyone can win that division. But I think I think Carolina has a better chance of winning that division than Atlanta because I just I don't see the vision with Atlanta. I understand drafting Bijan. He was that talent. We talked about it around the draft, but if if the whole point was to draft a star running back and never invest in the quarterback position, why did you draft two receivers with top 10 picks the previous two seasons? <laughs> Why did you pick Kyle Pitts? Why did you pick Drake London if the entire game plan was just we're going to run the ball with Bijan Robinson? You know, I, 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 I should say with Atlanta, um, so we mentioned Desmond Ritter, but I'm forgetting they did sign Taylor Heineke this year. And yep. Taylor Heineke has come in and he's shown the ability to be a gamer. At least he's a NFL quarterback. 
which I don't know if Desmond Ritter is an NFL quarterback, right? So I I could yeah. see potentially if Taylor Heineke comes in, wins the starting job, takes over, could he be good enough to engineer this Falcons offense to again like nine and eight, good enough to win the NFC South? Yeah, I, I could see that with Taylor Heineke. I could, in fact, I'll, I'll go, I'll stretch this. I could see that if they start Taylor Heineke more than I can if they go into this year with Desmond Ritter. I would say. Honestly, if I'm the Falcons, yeah, Taylor Heineke's my guy. Just because Desmond Ritter's the unknown, right? We don't know what he is. As he's the unknown, but he didn't even... Well, he's kind of known because I did see the games he started in last year, and I left very underwhelmed. And in fact, too, and maybe this is unfair to him in certain respects, but seeing him in the game against Alabama a couple years ago, that really scared me for... Even going into the draft of what Desmond Ritter could be, like going against the first elite defense that he really faced in college football that year with a bunch of guys who obviously ended up going to the NFL and he looked as inept as he did. And then he comes into the pros and kind of looks about the same as he did in that college football playoff game. So I would say I've seen Taylor Heineke. Hell, I've seen Taylor Heineke doing it in a playoff game, actually. So against a team that went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So I can at least say that I think that I, I feel very confident that from what I've seen on the NFL field, Taylor Heineke is a better quarterback than Desmond Ritter. I think that's why I put him third because I still I still think the Jets have a pretty good chance. And look, Buffalo was this juggernaut last season. I don't think Buffalo is going to be that this year in the regular season. But I do acknowledge that the Jets have talent. Like I don't want to say, oh, the, it's not all Buffalo. Like the reason that the Jets won't win the AFC East is not all Buffalo. Like the Jets do have a talented team there. I just I think if you stack them up against Kansas City or Cincinnati, or a Baltimore, or even a Buffalo, I don't know how how the Jets are going to match up in terms of regular season. Now, one game sample size, it's football. Random shit happens all the time. But over the course of a regular season, I don't know how the Jets are going to stack up in that well, respect. Here's another thing to mention with the Jets. I know that their start to their schedule is not very favorable. I want to say a top five toughest schedule in the league to start the year. So if they start off on a poor note, then that opens up the possibility that they're out of it before we even get to Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, it's rough. I just saw it for the first time. Uh, it's home against Buffalo at the Dallas Cowboys, home against New England, home against Kansas City at Denver, a little bit better. Uh, but then again, we did a video on the Broncos and I said it's a little more favorable. The Broncos get to play at home against the Jets. Uh, yeah, and then they play you, home against you give the Eagles. Them, you give them Denver at home. That's that's not good. <laughs> yes, yeah, no. And then they're yeah. then they're uh, home against the Eagles, neutral game against the Giants, because again, it's Jets Giants. They play at the same stadium and then they play Chargers. So, yeah, the, the first half of the season is rough for the Jets. Yeah, and we know that sometimes like a poor start to the season can backbreak a lot of teams before we even get to the point where we're talking about playoffs. But if they beat Buffalo at home week one, could be the turning point to galvanize the season. It makes them believe in the abilities of Aaron Rodgers, believe in themselves and believe in Robert Sala if they could just beat the Bills at home week one. Now, I would say in doing this exercise here, though, I have discovered that there's not as many worst to first teams I really believe in as there have been in previous years. Like, you know, there's been years, like I remember when the Niners made their Super Bowl run a couple years ago, where a lot of teams were like, okay, I could see this team. They had a rough year, but they're going to be bouncing back next year. We're looking at these teams here, and there's not really that team that we think can, yeah, there's teams we think could win their division, 
but there's not a team we think that can go from being at the top of the draft to suddenly being a Super Bowl contender. So I do think that that's what makes this year a little bit different. The exercise that I think is interesting about this is like, so from like 2000 to 2018 or something like that, I want to say 16 out of 18 years, there was a worst of first team in the NFL. And then the last four years, I think there's only been two. And last year was the Jaguars, which, you know, came down to the last game of the season to determine yeah, the Bengals too a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. So I think, I think we went two years without a worst of first team. Maybe Washington counted as a worst of first during the pandemic season. But the point being like, you don't see it as often. And I, my theory for the reason that's the case is the top end talent in the NFL has never been as sturdy as it was in past years. Like you used to be able to always say, well, you know, the Patriots are going to be good and you know, the Peyton Manning is going to be good. And other than that, we'll see what happens below that. Now you can say, we know Kansas City's always going to be good. We know Buffalo's always going to be good. Before Buffalo, it was the Patriots. We always knew the Patriots were going to be good. Now we feel confident saying we know that the Bengals are always going to be good. The 49ers are always going to be good. I personally would say that the Eagles are going to be really, really good <laughs> this next year. Yeah. So like, now, I think again, the top-end talent has Now we're saying itself. this, too, and part of what makes a lot of worse the first seasons is injury. And we can't predict injury. We're not in the future telling business in that respect. But if you told me, like, we go into this year and, God forbid, something happens to, like, Mahomes or Trevor Lawrence or a lot of those top-end quarterback talents, then throw everything out the window. And that completely changes a division. And suddenly you say, like, uh, Houston Texans, bear with me, but the Houston Texans winning that division suddenly becomes likely because the talent around them in the division just instantly is not that good. I mean, we were talking about that with Jared Goff earlier. If Jared Goff goes down for the Lions and we take them out, I mean, it means 10 wins could win the NFC North. If you told me the Bears got 10 wins, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. I mean, it would mean Justin Fields is taking the next step to like MVP front runner and like has made this Josh Allen. I mean, not Josh Allen type leap. Justin Fields finished 10th in the MVP last year, but he's yeah. made an extra step. And, and you mentioned it earlier too, the improvements in the talent around Justin Fields on the offense this year is going to be something that if the Bears do make that leap, and hey, kudos to you Bears fans if this is like a turnaround season for you, because I know that you've struggled to find talent at the quarterback position forever. <laughs> this is why I do think that we're in of like mind here. We look at the division, we look at ascending players around the league, and the Bears just make the most sense as far as like this worst to first team. You and I saw the highlights last year. We both believe like Justin Fields is incredible. And I know I'm less of the wins are not a quarterback stat person than you are, but you and I both see it like Justin Fields. The record of the Bears was not indicative of the play of Justin yeah. Fields. Justin now, Fields was amazing. Now, just I, I will cut you off just a little bit just to say that, yes, I do see the highlights. I do think the talent is there, but I'm not as fervent of a Justin Fields believer entirely. Like he, I still need to see it like reflect in the win loss record, but I do think that it is there. Like, I'm not going to deny it is there. There is something like, can he have a Cam Newton style development? Yes. I do think that that is a possibility for Justin Fields. What about you rank these teams in the comment section? How you think that this things shake out? Is there like any exception to what we said here? Like, do you believe that there's a team that we're kind of sleeping on? like to hear your thoughts in the comment section. Leave a like in the video. Subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all our social medias. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time.
Well, it's year two for Russell Wilson in Denver. It's year one for Sean Payton. And so far, their training camp has not gotten off to the best of start. Uh, Tim Patrick, torn Achilles, KJ Hamler, heart issue that's going to keep him out. So here we are again. They're getting beat up before the season even starts. Does that at all change the expectations for Denver coming into this year? Well, that's a good question. What are the expectations for Denver this year? Because uh, obviously they're not going to win the division. And obviously they are not going to be better than Baltimore, I would say. So I guess Denver's in that gluttony of teams trying to fight for the sixth or seventh wild card in the AFC this year. So I guess not making the playoffs would feel like a disappointment, but I don't think this Denver team is good enough to make the playoffs in the AFC specifically. Like they're, they're not that good i mean they've last year traded off a couple of big pieces on that defense we know bradley chubb was the biggest of them that was traded at the deadline and their defense was still really good last year defense is the position that's harder to predict whether it's going to be good year over year but let's say that denver still has a very good defense going into next year that then puts the onus on sean payton to develop that offense But like you said, they have lost two of their top four wide receivers at this point. Uh, There was already talks about Jerry Judy getting traded at the deadline. So I don't know if he's got the same rapport with Russell Wilson that they might need. So then it leans on Javante Williams and the Broncos are leaning on an injury prone running back entering his fourth seasons. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think it's going to be as catastrophic as last year, but they also don't have a whole lot of talent on that football team. So Yeah, I don't know where the expectations even lie for Denver this year. They're, by my count, the third best team in the AFC West. And if they're the third best team in the AFC West, that means they're probably shooting for like eight and nine this season. When you consider last year what their strength was with that defense, there was the stat, of course, if they scored 18 plus points in these respective games, they would have been a playoff team last year. And If you insert Sean Payton, instantly that should be a boost to the offense, right? You get a guy with a better offensive scheme. uh, Maybe he can revive Russell Wilson. And that's really what it's going to fall back on. If Russell Wilson looks like he did last year or the year before that, it doesn't look like Russell Wilson from 2019 or hell, even just not even he doesn't even need to be that good. He just needs to be serviceable Russell Wilson again. Then this team can live off the back of their defense, live off a running game. You mentioned it too, though. Javante Williams is coming off an ACL injury. So how good is he going to be? I think most people, especially in the fantasy football community, want to believe that Javante Williams 
will still be will still come back fine from this one acl obviously we've seen a lot of running backs go through it over the years it's kind of the nfl version of tommy john where guys just kind of have to go through it at some point don't think most teams like whenever they suffer like a third wide receiver injury fourth wide receiver injury really realize how much of an impact that is until they get middle of the year because you mentioned jerry judy he even battled injuries i think it was week one of last year where we thought he had a season ending injury so suddenly you know you have an injury to him Cortland sudden gets banged up and then you realize just how thin you are at wide receiver and russell wilson who's already kind of like fighting for his nfl career just suddenly has no one to throw to what is it big albert big a big o whatever is their tight end that is that going to be like your top guy if like sudden gets a concussion and Jerry Judy has a banged up ankle. Apparently, number one on the depth chart is someone named Greg Dolchich at the tight end position. And then they have Alberto and uh, Adam Troutman still hanging around in the NFL is in their tight end room. Uh, I, I don't know who any of those people are, but they are their third wide receivers. Essentially, <laughs> well, I guess that makes sense, right? Troutman, because I'm pretty sure he got drafted by the Saints when Sean Payton was there. Uh, you would be correct. Yes, he he did indeed get drafted by the Saints back in 2020. The Broncos feel like this year, the team that's like, we get to week 17 and then there's going to be like one result that locks up a playoff berth for like the Chargers and it just eliminates like four teams from the in the hunt graphic. That's what it feels like Denver is going to be this year. They're going to be one of those teams that like gets bumped out of the in the hunt graphic like in week 17 because the sixth wild card's been locked up in the AFC. That feels like where Denver's kind of headed for this year. But they're digging themselves out of a big hole. And uh, I'm not talking about just the Nathaniel Hackett catastrophe of last season. It is eight seasons of being one of the worst run organizations in the NFL. The Denver Broncos right now have the second longest playoff drought in all of the NFL. Like we think of them having Peyton Manning and everything that was going on when they were competing with the Patriots. Uh, They went to two Super Bowls and made a divisional playoff with the number one seed. Since the end of that Peyton Manning run, they have been one of the worst run organizations in football. They have used 14 different quarterbacks in and one wide receiver (laughs) at quarterback in the span of the last eight seasons. I used to be able to name them off the top of my head. But there's a Mark Sanchez in there twice. There's two Mark Sanchez runs for the Broncos in that span. So they have been essentially the new Cleveland Browns over the last eight years. And they are now trying to dig themselves out of that hole with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Well, we kind of talked about it last week, but I should ask you on camera, on microphone here. Did Sean Payton make a mistake choosing Denver? He could have stayed in the analyst booth one more year. There's plenty of great open positions coming up, I think, next season. Did he make a mistake jumping the gun for Denver? It's hard to tell anyone who's making $18 million a year for the next six years that they made a mistake. But in terms of like like which job gives him the best opportunity to succeed, yeah, he might have made a mistake. But also, that Walmart money hits a little bit different when it shows up into your bank account. It's hard to turn down being the second highest paid coach in the NFL, which reportedly is what Sean Payton is right now. Like, we don't know the exact contract terms of NFL coaches, but reportedly, he's the second highest paid coach in the NFL right now behind Bill Belichick. I would say it's hard to turn down that kind of money, but okay, the sure, Broncos but didn't yeah. even want him. Well, yeah, no one cares about Sean Payton's pocketbook. We don't care about that. But yeah, so let's focus more on the in terms of success success like because my my point is like next year I could see Brandon Staley getting fired with the Chargers I could see 
Mike McCarthy being out in Dallas. Both situations, especially the Chargers one, hell, I, I was all aboard the Brandon Staley should have been fired last year and just go out there and offer your best contract to Sean Payton. And obviously the Chargers didn't do it. We know Spanos has a reputation for being cheap at head coach because even Brandon Staley is what his third or fourth first time head coach that he's hired recently. So in a row, yes, in, in a, a row. row, they have gone from Mike McCoy to Anthony Lynn to Brandon Staley. But I would much rather tie my ship to ascending Justin Herbert than what we saw with Russ last year. Hell, Sean Payton, he had a weekly segment on Coward Show where we would go on and talk about what's happening in the NFL. And the Broncos, of course, came up more often than not because the Broncos were an interesting story last year. And Sean Payton knew what he was getting into. He would talk about it weekly, what was going on in Denver. And he's still talking about it. Obviously, we go back to his comments last week about Nathaniel Hackett. Throwing men under the bus, one of the worst head coaching jobs ever. I'm pretty sure if we check the tape, we check back every word. He probably said a few negative things about how Russell Wilson was slowing down last year. Just because he, you had to look at it through a different lens as an analyst versus being a coach or being specifically the coach of that player that's struggling. He knew what he was getting into. And it doesn't matter what the contract is. I, I get it. But every NFL team is going to pay well. I'm sure he could have got $18 million next year, too. It was the new owner-itis situation, right? The owners wanted a splash move at the head coaching position. And so they they got up and said, we are going to hire the best head coach available on the market. And so they offered D'Amico Ryans a contract. And D'Amico Ryans turned them down for the Houston Texans. So then they pivoted to their second option, which was Sean Payton. Remember that, people. The Denver Broncos wanted to hire D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans said that the Texans, who were run by a youth pastor for three seasons, were better than the Denver Broncos head coaching job. D'Amico took the Texans job over the Broncos job, and then the Broncos pivoted to their second choice of Sean Payton. So that tells you kind of where Sean Payton's reputation lies right now in the NFL. And by the way, they had to give up a first round pick to make that happen. Like, I don't think that Sean Payton is enough to fix all of your problems because Sean Payton with not enough talent on the roster, we've seen what that becomes. Like Sean Payton is the, is the kind of coach that will elevate your roster if you give him talented players and people will talk about him losing all those games in the playoffs and all that stuff and blah 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 like I understand that part of it and Sean Payton got the perfect quarterback in Drew Brees to reinvent his career and win a Super Bowl like Sean Payton and by the way they won more regular season games in four years with the Saints between 2017 and 2020 than any team in NFL history that didn't make a Super Bowl like they were great I will push back because I don't want to completely undervalue Sean Payton because there were years where Drew Brees was injured and you had to insert a Teddy Bridgewater or you had to have Taysom Hill in there for a few snaps or Jameis Winston came in for a game. And Sean Payton's record in those games was pretty good. He was able to still keep things going even with injuries, obviously not having Michael Thomas basically the last two, three years. Yeah, and where I think there's a difference there is the Saints had talented players on offense all throughout Sean Payton's tenure with New Orleans. And that's why the uh, general manager, Mickey Loomis with the saints has been there for just as long as Sean Payton has. They had talented players there uh, surrounded by Drew Brees for all of those. But I don't want to say that Denver doesn't have talented players. Like I think Cortland Sutton is a talented wide receiver. I think Jerry Judy is a talented wide receiver. I think Javante Williams is a talented running back. We still have to see how he comes back from this ACL, but is a talented running back. No, but yeah, but I'm talking about top of the line 
players in the league. Like for whatever you think about Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram made one Pro Bowl with the Saints. They had Mark Ingram. They had Jimmy Graham. And then when those two players were done, they pivoted to Max Unger and drafted Ryan Ramchek on the offensive line. Alvin Kamara has been an all-pro running back. Michael Thomas has been an all-pro receiver. They've had consistent top-of-the-line well, I, I talent. I think a lot of guys would say that guys like Judy, who was a former first-round pick, Cortland Sutton, a former first-round pick, they thought, they think, could be that or be considered that had they just had consistent quarterback play. One of the narratives coming into last year is, wow, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, they're getting it done with lesser talent at the quarterback position. You get Russell Wilson in here, future Hall of Famer Russell Wilson in here, and their stats are just going to blow up. These guys are going to be consistently 1,000, 1,500-yard wide receivers. They're going to put up career touchdown numbers. And then last year happened. And was it their fault? Or was it their quarterback's fault? Was it their coach's fault? Probably a combination of both. But like, I don't think their lesser talent... Because their coaches and their quarterback let them down. I think with Cortland Sutton, I never bought into the hype. So I've never considered the possibility that he would be a top end receiver. With Jerry Judy, I understand it though. Because Judy was the top 10 prospect in that draft class. He was expected to come in and be the number one. He's had one above average season. I think he had 900 yards in, I think he only played 12 or 13 games his second season. But he had close to a thousand yards on pace for. Like Judy, I could understand the belief that he could be a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver, even in the AFC, which has all of these, you know, Tyree Kills and uh, Stephon Diggs and uh, I'm forgetting someone, but point B, Jamar Chase. You could make the case for Judy being a top end receiver. And at this point, they're betting on that being their best path forward is development of players already in-house. Because I know they signed Zach Allen. I know that they signed Mike McGlinchey on the offensive line. But other than that, they didn't really change the roster all that much from last year. They were betting on Hackett is a disaster and we can run it back with a different coach and that will be our path to improvement. And my point from the beginning is I don't think the Broncos have very good players. Even last year, my preseason prediction was for the Broncos was they would be competing for the seventh wild card in the AFC and it all fell apart on them at the end of the season, but they haven't gotten any better. Since I, I will play a little bit more devil's advocate here. I do know that the, at one point they were on their third left tackle last year yeah you know that stuff matters right it, it does play into the grand scheme of things like having injuries at the offensive line now again I go back and I did watch those Broncos games and thought to myself Russell Wilson again just isn't making the best decisions like there's blooper reels of him having guys literally wide open middle of the field the Colts game right Thursday night last year where he had KJ Hamler speaking of KJ Hamler wide open middle of the field people are questioning whether russell wilson was legitimately blind the best thing i can say about the broncos right now is they will be better than the raiders which is something they were not last <laughs> year so i think they'll be better than the raiders because last year they were if i'm doing my math correctly in my head they finished 14th out of 16 in the afc and while there's a lot of like glut in the middle of the AFC this year, I don't think they're going to be that bad. Like, I don't think they're going to be so bad that they're dra that the well, the, that the Seahawks. I actually I think they just used the last Seahawks pick so that they'll be drafting at the top of the draft. Like, I don't think it'll be that bad next season that they'll be in the top five of the draft again. But I also I don't think that I don't think the roster is all that, that talented. And this is me saying that I think Russell Wilson is somewhere between what he was at the end in Seattle, which was like a tier two and a half tier three quarterback and where he was last year, which was legitimately one of the worst starters in the NFL. I think Russell Wilson's somewhere in between at this point. I just, I still don't think that's going to be enough to turn a corner for Denver because they don't have enough talent. 
And you mentioned this earlier, but where they fit into the grand scheme of the AFC, right? The Chiefs, if we put them in pen to win the division again, then they have to jump over a lot of AFC North teams, a lot of AFC East teams. Uh, The AFC South, I mean, maybe like a Tennessee or something surprises you. There's always that like one, right? Yeah, if I told you that Tennessee, Indy, or Houston could be a spicy 7-10 and this season, then you would believe me. If I told you any of those teams were 7-10 and and caused problems for people. And we're also assuming that the Jaguars take that next step this year and just win that division. And then again, in division itself, you mentioned you think the Broncos will outright be better than the Raiders. Who knows? Maybe Jimmy winning Garoppolo comes in and gives them seven wins or something like that, and they're better than the Broncos. I can't even look at that with a straight face. I just, (laughs) it's just funny to think about. Hater. Hater. They're talking about the Raiders might just cut Josh Jacobs, just rescind his franchise tag and be like, okay, see ya. You can leave. (laughs) Yeah, they're a shit show, but still it's, it's a possibility. It's in the cards because the Raiders, I think beat the Broncos twice last year. You had the Chargers, you know, and then the Chargers do it. Another double digit win team. And regardless of how much I have disdain for Brandon Staley as head coach, and I think that he's a bit of a chump in that position, they were a double digit win team. So you also have to leap over them too. So there is that, you know, I recognize they have to jump over like five teams to even be in the playoffs this year. Yeah. And look, before the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson, they were not good enough. I said it at the time. I said it after. They were not good enough. But I commend them for saying we're still going to try and get a franchise quarterback anyways, even if it costs us Noah Fant, two first round picks and a second round pick. I commend them that they said we're still going to try it anyways. Uh, But the Broncos, they said we're going to go for it. We're going to give up essentially three first round picks because Noah Fant was a first round pick two years prior. We're going to essentially give up three first round picks for Russell Wilson. And I commend them for saying we're going to try it because they didn't have enough talent at the time. It was a catastrophe last year, but I still thought at the start of the year, they've got enough talent to compete for the seventh wildcard spot. And this year I can say they've got enough talent to compete for the seventh wildcard spot. (laughs) That seems to be where I'm at with the Broncos right now is if they put the pieces together correctly, uh, they won't be better than Kansas City or Cincinnati, or Baltimore, or Los Angeles Chargers, or uh, Buffalo, Buffalo, or the obligatory team that wins the AFC South, but they could maybe get that last walk. They are just as talented as the Jets. That's my thinking. They are just as talented as the Jets, (laughs) and one of those teams might get into the playoffs. Denver, target painted on their back. What do you think this year? Uh, Big expectations coming in with Sean Payton. Can Russell Wilson revive his career? How much do these injuries in training camp hurt them? Like to your thoughts, any and all things Denver Broncos. Leave a like on the video, subscribe to our channel, find us on all our social medias. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.